Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. It's the day after July 4th, so I think half the United States took a day off. Uh, we didn't, so we're here. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're not going to talk about Kawhi Leonard because if you're on listening to Toronto radio, it's all Kawhi all the time, which is why I think the story that we're going to talk about first popped up yesterday because they want the attention because everybody's talking about Kawhi right now. But okay. Uh, but go ahead, uh, Russ, with some pre show. My pre show is. You know, I was just going to say, how does Kawhi affect the leaves? <laughs> we'll talk about that, Peter. Um, for now, though, we'll talk about Home Run Derby because now you could even bet that, right? Which I think it's foolish. But just to go through with it, I'll let everybody know there's Josh Bell, Christian Yelich, Pete Alonso, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Jock Peterson, Carlos Santana, Alex Bredman. I just tweeted, and I feel pretty safe in saying this. We'll see what Anthony says, that everybody in Philadelphia will root for Pete Alonso over Carlos Santana. I don't Even know. You're well, asking Phillies fans to root for a Met? Over Carlos Santana. The guy I don't who, know the hatred of Carlos. He needed a, more than a year to, to generate that level of heat. Okay. They got rid of him fairly quickly, so I think the, uh, the heat nah, – I, I, oh, I'll, I'll say it's a coin flip, it but I don't, I don't think it's a slam dunk the way you do. And I, well, I don't, let me let me let me just say this on the list that you wrote yes. that, that you mentioned. How in good God is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on this list? He has eight home runs. I know some people. I, I think I think anymore. I think he's one of the best prospects in the game. I saw mm -hmm. him, you know, in in AAA last year. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of you know potential. He's not. He shouldn't be in this. You know. Canadian representation. They want to no, it's not Canadian. That's, that's bull crap. It's not they Canadian. Want to buy, they want people to tune in. But, but you, know, you know what it is? A lot of the home run hitters have turned them down. I don't, has, is Cody Bellinger in this? No. Is no he, didn't want to, he didn't want to do it. Yeah, is Encarnacion in it? Is, is Aaron Judge in this? And Aaron Judge was hurt, so he only has eight home runs too. But none of the big – yeah, nobody wants to do this because it affects their – Jay Bruce, right, Russ? Yeah, Jay don't Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> don't say none of the big ones. Don't say none of the big ones because Alonzo certainly has enough homers. Bell does too. But like I said, none of any of the big ones. Their first uh -huh. experience does. So they're going to do it this year and then beg off it afterwards. I think I think it will come down to Alonzo and Jock Peterson. That's my feeling. Okay. I think they should just get a pitching machine, throw 102 mile per hour heaters, and dare these guys to step up and do it. Let's not turn it into a lob ball. Like I'd rather watch men's slow pitch Peter, than watch this garbage like, that, remi that, remi that reminds me of the, the, the time you know i wasn't in my day i wasn't a bad softball player i wasn't really good but i was somebody who would hit to the opposite field and slow pitch softball so i pissed off you know my opposition because they always put the weakest hitter in right field but you know one time i go into uh, you know go to the the batting cages and they had the fast the the, the hard ball uh, machine that would purportedly would throw 95 to 97 miles an hour and i said you know what 
I want to go in there. I want to take a swing. And, but of course, you know, being somebody who never didn't really play hardball it, it much, I was afraid that I'd get hit. And like, I, I watched like two or three guys in there and it's throwing it right down the middle, right down the middle. No problem. I go in there first pitch, 95 miles an hour off my thigh. I I had the biggest black and blue mark for what (laughs) I didn't get hit in live pitching with guys throwing 80s and 90s in in a tryout for semi-pro baseball and you got hit in a pitching machine. I I don't know what to tell you. Now, uh, I have to say though, July 4th, Boom. Sorry, Peter, you weren't ex- included in this. Uh, but <laughs> well, you were on the lo- actually, Peter was on the losing side, technically. <laughs> no, that's the War of 1812. No, 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 and anyway, what I was saying is that you weren't included in the festivities yesterday. That was my. We won't go into the military thing in Washington, but I have to say, uh, costs seem to be uh, limiting, at least in terms of like public events. There was only like one or two like really big fireworks displays in the Buffalo area. I know there was one in New York City and things of that nature, but it didn't seem to affect like private little parties uh, in my area of the suburbs of buffalo there was somebody who must have dropped about five grand on a on a fireworks display because they were firing rockets at each other like it was uh like it was the war in iraq it was it was pretty pretty impressive so anyway i i don't get it i mean we used to shoot off in on long island but and here we have a lot of college kids some shoot, some don't. But the idea is, I think people now try and get too risky because they want to do videos, and you really can't trust fireworks. You really no, shouldn't. Not fireworks. That well, should be the motto. If shoot you not fireworks, if you want to see, look up the video. I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. The video of the fireworks display in San Diego, California, where the company that did the fireworks had a miscalculation and everything went off in one go. Yeah, I saw that, but St. Lucie topped that yesterday, Mike. They had a fire outside the stadium when, when the Mets had their fireworks display in Class A. <laughs> top that. Or rookie ball, maybe rookie ball. Okay, well, I'll have to look for the video on that one. But the, the San Diego one looked like a nuclear explosion. So, Okay, let's, let's get started here. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, July 5th, the day after, 2019. I'm Anthony Majori from Sunrise Philly Magazine. I'm Peter Tessie in Balmy, Winnipeg. <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Gee, what are we going to talk about today? Hmm, offer sheets. Offer sheets. Lots of offer sheets. Lots. Rumors. Lots. Rumors. Lots. Rumors. And then that, that's where I want to go here because I, let, let me express my opinion first, and then you guys can react. I think this is a load of crap. I really do. I, I, I said from the very beginning uh, about Ka- the Kawhi Leonard situation. If you listen to TSN radio and sport and Sportsnet Fan Five Ninety in Toronto, which I do off and on, um, all they're talking about is Kawhi Leonard and the and the contract of whether he's going to sign with the Raptors or re-sign with the, or sign with the Clippers or Lakers. Nothing. 
other than until this rumor last night from David Pagnotta, the fourth period, that there are there is a team that is seriously considering a offer sheet to Marner. Did Marner get on the radar? Um, everybody essentially has been saying, okay, well, the offer sheet window is over with because a lot of teams have spent a ton of money and you know, there are very few teams that would have the cap room and the draft pick flexibility to do what was rumored to be uh, possibly done before July 1st, which is make an offer that the Leafs can't match and, uh, you know, offer up, uh, you know, a 10.5, 11, 11.5 million dollar, whatever length of contract, uh, on, you know, to, to Marner. I, I don't buy it. I, I continue to believe that Marner does not want to play any place other than Toronto, and Toronto is not lowballing him, but they're paying him a cent. They're they're supposedly offering him commensurate to what wingers would get, and Marner apparently is stuck on the Austin Matthews contract. So I mean, I I think this is going to be a long and drawn out procedure. I don't think there's going to be an offer sheet. I'll be surprised if there is one. I don't rule it out, but uh, Anthony, you go first. What do you think? Depends, like, in many ways on the which team might be offering, and that's that's one of the big questions. Everybody's assuming if it's going to be anybody, it'll be the Islanders, and because of Lou, um, I don't know. I, I think this could very well be a case of a team where nobody expects it. Maybe a team out west, so, you know, maybe Colorado or somebody like that. Or Anaheim. Anaheim, a team that's out west. I think you're hearing this now because I think we're they're, they're get that they, they they may be getting a little bit closer, uh, but there's significant hangups, and that if this is getting leaked, that this is sort of a maybe another way that again that the agents trying to kind of goose things along to try to get things closer to what they're looking for versus what the Leafs are necessarily looking for. I'm not after once one offer sheet in the ether, which we now have, which we now have, and was obviously matched by uh, Carolina. Right, I think anything is possible. I'm not going to poop. I can't well, poop it at this point. But we're, Peter, was that really an offer sheet? Because it was almost like. Carolina, or it almost like Montreal did Carolina a favor with that one. Uh, and I, you, know, I, you know, I know that that was front loaded. I know that that Dundon may not have been liquid, may not have been liquid in terms of being able to pay out twenty one million dollars in the span of twelve months. But eight point four million for Sebastian Ajo is pretty reasonable. The, that's why, like, I mean, in a way, if the offer sheet is reasonable. And I might actually be good for the Leafs in terms of Marner. It's only the scenario like that Eck floated. Somebody uh, offering a one-year, thirteen million dollar offer, and I don't even know what the compensation. I don't think the compensation on that would be four first-round picks. No, I, I think it's like two, two ones, a two and a three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what I, do you look, think, Peter? I, I, I think anyone looking at the Aho offer sheet and trying to make sense of it is kind of missing the bigger point with that and how it's going to affect other ones did it work no um did did the statements from the the uh carolina hurricanes sort of make light of it of course it did but if you're tom dundon if you're don Don waddell you're peeved you're peeved someone came into your house and figured out your contract terms make no bones about it you never want to be locked into signing bonuses that you were never planning to give. Yep. Don't like they, it's not about whether they offered it. It's the terms that you went into the deal with and you went, you had to match someone else's terms. You never want the deal that someone else dictated for you. 
Well, you know that. You know that, that, that it had to have come from the agent. There's no other place it would come from. Yeah. And and the fact is, is Sebastian, you know, Sebastian Ajo signed an offer sheet with another team, which says he was willing to leave the Hurricanes. It's not like the offer sheet was there and he didn't sign it and accept it. He accepted it. He was willing to leave, which is what you should be really worried about. And the fact that it was only five years is not not for the Hurricanes or the Habs. It was for Ajo. So he's out of here in short term if he wants to be. And I'll lay money, money that he's traded at some point before that ever happens. No question. Yeah, no. And so again, so you could have kept them on on terms that were agreed to that you worked with, right? But you didn't. So you can Tom Dundon and Don Waddell can spin this any way they want. So now apply this forward with the next big one, Marner. If Mitch Marner signs an offer sheet with another team, something else has done that, not just the dollars. Yeah, there's no. something else going on, and that's what everyone needs to remember. Mitch Marner is going to make more money than anyone can ever dream of in, in his career. So the money is not an is not an issue. He's going to make more money next year than any of us can ever dream of. Well, that's a that's a good point. Oh. I, wanted, I wanted to ask this to Russ. I think that if there's an offer sheet, the the key is not going to be the AAV because with the with the machinations that the Leafs and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, the machinations that the Leafs have done over the last week. They can match. They can go over 10% of the cap. They can match an offer sheet. Where I think Marner and his camp are aiming, Russ, is term, is four years to walk him right to Uf UFA or five years to walk him to the same UFA as Matthews and Nylander. And that is where I think his camp is not – operating in good faith and is in a way if they do that is screwing the Leafs because the Leafs I think I, I have not heard one report of them not not acting in good faith and not offering him what is commensurate to his talents but they're they may be unreasonable in terms of what they're looking for okay so a few things first one is going back to the very beginning of the show I am not against fireworks I like professional fireworks I've seen it a million times I don't like when idiots do it moving on <laughs> the Ajo thing, Greg Wyshynski got something very interesting out of Dunnan. Dunnan basically said that it was proven that this was a waste of time, but as Peter proved, it is not a waste of time because he's pissed off about it and he had to come up with the funding. The right. other thing is Jerry Johansson, when he said that his client 100% wants to play in Montreal, Dunnan's res response was, I couldn't care less about his agent. And he told that to Sarah Sivian. And it's like, it, once you say that, you've lost the battle. He has yeah. lost the battle long term. He could say what he wants and thump his chest, but he has lost the battle. Okay. Yeah, it's a five. It's a five year contract, and within Peter is absolutely yeah. right. Two years. That's a guarantee. Right, you have no hope of signing him in five years after no. what you said about him, unless Dundon sells no. the team to somebody, some other sucker. Right. So none of, yeah. none of these things were smart for Dundon. Okay, moving on to the Marner camp. Clearly, there's massive leaks. And we probably know where they're coming from. So, again, they're not coming from a good place. Where Carolina was struggling with Ajo, we heard they were struggling with Ajo because they didn't want to pay a market value. And clearly, the Leafs want to pay more on a market value, but there is all this haggling over probably bonuses and years and term and, and all these other things, right? AAV and all that. So, 
I get it, right? Those things do get a little more complicated. He'll be the second highest paid player, I think, on that team. So it does take a while. You can't do those contracts quickly. But again, I think to connect the Islanders to it is foolish because the Islanders, people are just assuming, well, they went after Panarin, so now they'll they'll go after somebody else. Right. They didn't last year when they lost to Veras. They didn't go after anybody else. Why are they going to do it this year? Now, I will tell you the one difference. It does seem like the arena deal is getting closer. The governor said yesterday, Cuomo said that. Now, again, this is also pretty loaded, though, because he said that it's coming from a source that, hey, they're close to naming the LIRR stop and talking about that whole deal, and they're going through the last round of reports, uh, environmental impact reports, and then they can be put up for approval. All that said, even if this thing ground ground gets broken in August, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be on time for 2021-22. That's iffy. I'm going to tell you right now, that's that timetable is a little iffy. So with that in mind, just like I'm going to hold Ledecky to his word, and he's he's held to it, until that's pretty much close to a fait complete, and he's starting to see revenue from that, they're not going to go through the roof on revenue. They're just not. They're a budget team until that point. Yeah. And let's make this point because I found it amusing. And I'm, you know, hey, whoever's reporting uh, the Islanders, I know that the that people are putting two and two together. I think it was Mike Kelly um, uh, yeah. who reported that the Islanders were the likely. Okay, you're the Marner camp. You had a problem with the Maple Leafs in terms of them not giving you bonuses, like. Austin Matthews got Schedule A, Schedule B bonuses on his entry-level contract. Marner did not. Um, Marner was played on the fourth line his first year like William Nylander was until he basically got what Mike Babcock wanted to do, wanted him to do. And then, okay, so all these little little picky-unish problems, that was under the guy who's currently the general manager of the Islanders. So you're going to be making the deal that gives you 12 or $13 million a year or whatever the, you know this offer sheet is from the guy who you perceived screwed you in Toronto. That's why I'm uh, – That's I could believe if it's Montreal because they fell short on the offer sheet with Ajo and maybe they you know, want to put a division rival in, in a pickle. But I can't believe it's Lou. I really can't. I don't see there is. I, I would be dumbfounded if Lou Lamorello is the one that signs that that offers the offer sheet and the Mariner camp agrees to sign it with Lou. I mean, look, would they put the Leafs in a little bit of a cap hell? Sure, but the Leafs are going to match it. Yeah. So again, if this is going to be the end game of all these teams to just now do it because you don't think you can get the player and put everybody in cap hell. Then there'll be 15 or 20 offer sheets next year, but there won't be. Right. We don't want that to happen. Yeah, and uh, get ready for an offer sheet on Matthew Barzell next year if that right. happens. We've seen, we've seen that happen before. We've oh, seen yeah. teams respond by by putting them, you know, are they going to, would they be able to, if, 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 say, for example, they offer Mitch Marner an offer sheet and the Leafs pass and Marner goes to the Islanders, good luck next summer when somebody offers sheets Matthew Barzell because you won't have the room. And what they'll do is they'll put the major signing bonus through a potential lockout year. That's what I would do if I was the cap guy. Right. I would have a lot of that money being paid on a potential lockout year. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. There's There are some reports coming out that, that there could be an offer sheet as soon as today. I, I Again, 
I'll 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 be it's Friday. Take <laughs> out the trash day. Friday five. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I, this this was humorous. I saw this. I saw this uh, reported last night. Uh, apparently, Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators, was at a Rolling Stones concert recently, oh, yeah. and the um, a, a member of Parliament who was the representative of Melnick. Uh, she, member of the provincial parliament. She's a right. Ontario, a Ontario MLA. Yeah, a, PP, a conservative named, named Lisa McLeod walked up to Melnick while he was enjoying the stones, the geriatric stones, and said, you are a bleeping piece of bleep and you're a bleeping loser. I'm like, okay. I guess your re-election campaign has just started. Um, <laughs> you know, the Ottawa scenario has been quiet for a while, but Russ, where there was progress in New York in terms of a building, there's been no progress in Ottawa. I haven't heard. Yeah, no, there's progress in New York. There's no progress in Ottawa. Right, and I, I can I continue I continue to go down the road as okay. Breton Flats is dead. He's got a lawsuit against the guy who was the partner in that in that uh, situation. I don't see a building getting built. I don't see any talk of a building getting built as long as as long as uh, Melnick is owner of that team. So where is this situation going? And I keep going back to Quebec City, and I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm just I, you know, I'm making a wrong assumption here, Peter. But I, honestly, I I think if you don't hear anything about any kind of significant progress before the beginning of next season, you're going to start hearing legitimate rumors about the the Senators moving to Quebec City. Oh well, yeah, and particularly if there's a lockout, can Melnick withstand a year of no revenue? based on what he's got and the layoffs and the things we've heard over the years about um, payroll issues and stuff like that, you still have to keep your staff. You still have to keep all these people who you, you pay to operate the hockey thing, even if there's no hockey going on. You still have to scout. You still have to do all these things. That would probably be the uh, final nail in the coffin mm -hmm. if an extended lockout happened. That being said, I don't think one is going to happen. And right around that time, there should be a rather large uh, sum coming in from Seattle, I would imagine, too, that could buoy his uh, financial boat for the short term as well. Right. The, the Quebec thing is going to be a topic for a long time. The problem with the Quebec, Quebec arena and the Quebec model is they don't have a person who is going to come in with wealth Correct. they have corporations mm -hmm. there is the problem yeah houston has that's, a person that houston has a person yeah. that's the problem yeah. you need a person you need a person who may have all their wealth through huge corporations and stuff like that but you need the entity who has that backing of assets right. okay yeah i think houston that is where yeah, that is where the challenge comes. And, you know, uh, whatever it is, Videotron, the company, uh, Quebec Core Printing and stuff. Yes, huge, huge company, everything. But taking on a, you know, you've already taken on the arena, taking on upwards of $450 million, depending on what your sale price is, expansion. And, and you know, the expansion transfer fee or whatever they're going to call it mm -hmm. is going to be massive. To okay. go down the road and eat some of the uh, Montreal Canadiens lunch, it's going to be huge. What would so stop you, you, 
you well, got to take that on and you've got to pay it and then you've got to make money and that's going to be difficult. What would stop Melnick from just moving the team? Like him keeping ownership and moving the team to Quebec City. Uh, trans be. they're going to charge him a transfer fee. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he he wouldn't have it because that... here's the other thing too. I mean, Houston just put in 70 million into their arena and so I guess retrofitting hockey isn't going to be a big problem for them anymore. No. no, and now the question is is whether that is in preparation for the Arizona Coyotes, which we continue to say, even though there's new ownership and there's a billionaire in place there. I mean, the question of viability in, in Arizona will continue to be a question until they either build a new build, even if they build a new building, it'll still be it'll still be there. But whether the the, the failsafe is moving Ottawa to Houston, and then you'd have to have divisional realignment and things of that nature, but. I mean, I just think that until, and we know it's a political football because that's the capital of the uh, Canadian government. Um, but it's a more, of, it's almost, it's more of a local issue. But getting that building built is the only thing I think that makes that team financially viable. So, yeah. uh, all right, a couple signings that were interesting, and first one, Peter, uh, I'll go to you first on uh, Ben Sherratt signing three years with the Canadians. Um, I know you wrote an article about uh, the Jets and what they were looking for in terms of a right hand or a left hand shot defenseman, and um, I know Sherratt even he was there, but it, he, I don't think they were really in the mix to bring him back. Um, and you were talking about Jake Gardner and three teams being Buffalo, Montreal, and Winnipeg. Well, I know Montreal's got a lot of cap space, but if they bring in Sherratt, I don't know if they would want to. They only have eight point eight point four million now. Right, so I don't think they're going to drop six million a year on 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 Jake Gardner. So that I think that yeah. takes them out of it. So I'm a little surprised Gardner hasn't signed. But what do you think of the signing of Sharad? I tweeted this earlier today, but I mean, if you're going to take sign Ben Sharad, you need his little sidekick buddy Dmitry Kulikov riding shotgun with him because you know I thought they came as a pair. So you better trade for. Uh, look, Ben. I uh, congrats to Ben Sharad. Um, he 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 played the system well. He certainly got a massive pay raise, but one that probably isn't warranted for what he brings. And I will say this, Dustin Bufflin has made a lot of guys a lot of money over the years. Mm -hmm. And Ben Sherrod is example D of, of that. Like he's, he is played with Bufflin almost exclusively for a number of years. He came in when the Jets were down to almost no one on defense. Uh, under Starting the season, Paul Maurice um, had moved Bufflin to forward. They they kept him there, and then all of a sudden, injuries piled up. Bufflin had to go back to D. Benchrop came up from the Manitoba Moose and played, caught lightning in a bottle with the team. They made the playoffs. He got a deal. He got an extension with Winnipeg. And Play with Bufflin, and I hope you have a buff to play him with because that's where you're going to get your value. And and good for Sherratt. Like, I mean, honestly, good for Sherratt. This is what you want guys to do. You just don't want to be the GM who signs a contract that's overpaying. And I think it's overpayment for Ben Sherratt. Maybe they pair him with uh, with Shea Weber, possibly. I mean, they're probably the closest comparable in the circumstance, right? Well, I think Weber's not a riverboat gambler like Buff. Right. I think they put Mete. I think they put Mete with uh, with Weber because he's a smaller, speedier guy and he can lug the puck. But what you're so what you're saying, Peter, is that this is Matt Carl 2.0, the creation of Chris Pronger with, with Philadelphia, and then he got a big contract with who? Tampa Bay, Russ. Yeah, but you know, 
I think the difference with Matt Carl was he he still was a really good puck mover and a skater. It wasn't like he couldn't do anything. And I think Sherratt's even a little less than Matt Carl. I do. Okay. Um, another contract, and you made the point, Russ, that a lot of the cheaper guys are getting gobbled up right now because yeah. you know most of the teams have spent their money or spent most of their money that they want to, and now they're trying to fill in. Uh, Scott Harrington, who was a part of the Kessel deal, uh, it was essentially like a seventh defenseman and play. I think he played a little bit with the Marlies a few years ago and then was moved on to Columbus for Kirby Reichel, which turned out to be a pretty bad deal because at least Scott Harrington has played in the NHL and Kirby Reichel's moved from AHL team to AHL team. Well, he signs a three-year deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets for $4.9 million, so that's a little well, $1.63. Yeah, 1.6, 1.7. Yeah, which is – and and the the reason this is good, and you know, I, I'm sure that you know th there is a lot of work to do. They got Ryan Murray signed, but they they still have not gotten Wierenski signed. And if you right. think the problems out there for some of these forwards like Rantanen and Marner, what about McAvoy? What about Wierenski? What about Provorov? Yeah. Those deals are going to be difficult to get done too. Yeah, they're going to drag on this summer. I mean, so if you're Columbus, you've got to make sure you've got everything else in place in case you do have a holdout. And so this is a good move by Yarmo to get this done. Harrington's an NHL defenseman. Yeah. Look, I know he had career highs and everything, but he's pretty good. He always was pretty good. He was he was pretty good before the NHL. And so I, I think this was smart. And I think we're going to see more of these guys get sucked up now, now that these other bigger ones are just hanging out there. Yeah. But again, I'll ask the question of the New York Islanders, if you're not big game hunting, where's like why aren't you going after at least a bona fide scorer? Like I just, they're going to go into next year and they're going to have essentially the same defense. They they'll, you know, cause you said like they added Taves at the end of the year. Anyhow, maybe they'll bring up, you know, a rookie or two. Keeper Bellows. Yeah. Bellows could come up, but you know, and Hosang can play more and Del Cole can play more, but they haven't added an NHL bona fide guy to boost their scoring. Cause they're going to need to do that. Everybody in their division is doing that. So I well, just I mean there are still free agents out there like Mike Furland and Johan. Right. And that's what I'm wondering. It's like everybody thinks if they're truly big game hunting, why wouldn't they just go out and get one of those guys and say, because they could use it like they need a winger. Right. And and you know, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of respect for Barry Trotz, and he was able to get mm -hmm. that team into the playoffs with some quite you know, some questions in certain areas. But think of it this way: you have one injury, you lose Barzel, you lose um you know, uh, Anders Lee, and you trade, you you make a free agent offer sheet and you give up four first round picks, you'd be giving up a lottery pick. Yeah. That's the risk that you have. You're not an established team where you're going to make the playoffs every year and your pick is going to be in the right. team. You're hoping Varlamov and Bryce are going to be a really good combination. You and, don't know that. And Varlamov has been an, has been injury plagued his entire career. He's not, I don't think there's ever been a season where he's not been hurt at one time. Yeah, I just, I, I look at it and I just, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the same way I was surprised last year with the Devils and Shiro not doing anything, and that's why I could never pick them for the playoffs. Now, Shiro learned this year, and he gets P.K. Subban, obviously he gets Jack Hughes in the draft, and at least those two things are two big advances for that team. So, plus they're going to hope to get Ty Smith in there too, and if they do and he's ready, that's a big boost up for the, for the Devils. So then really everybody in the division has gotten better so far except the Islanders and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Those are the two teams that right now haven't been keeping up with the Joneses. 
now, Anthony, Provorov, to me, it looks like it's going down the road of an extended negotiation that this, oh, yeah. this is something that may not get resolved until September. And then yeah. I get, I get that feeling with a lot of these now it's like, yeah. okay, you had that initial rush signings mm-hmm. and now everything's settling in and now it's going to be sort of a staring contest for most of the summer. Yeah, I think that's exactly, especially in the case of Philly and Provorov. I really do. Cause again, it's, I think in many ways the, the agent for Provorov almost looks at, Last year is sort of just a hiccup in his career pattern. The Flyers obviously can't look at it that way. Um, he definitely improved towards the end of last season, there's no question. But he had a extreme. He had a very rough third year, um, and that's that's that does factor into the into the negotiation. But again, they're all waiting for the market uh, to shake itself out. And as you said, I don't think it's going to shake out necessarily until we get to August or September. I really, I really agree at this point. Now, if they don't have that particular deal done, they're going to be more than happy. Everybody's like, well, they got a log jam on defense. They got eight defensemen. And I'm like, and my opinion is again, they've got, they can hold that for most of the summer, that situation for most of the summer mm-hmm. and then make their determinations from there. Pro Rob at Philadelphia will get Pro Rob under contract. I think it'll be in the it'll probably be in the six to seven year range, um, most likely. I'm sure they would like to push for eight. Uh, what that number figure will be, that's going to be very that's going to be extremely interesting. Do I think he, despite last year's hookup, is still there is still a franchise level defenseman? Absolutely. Are there areas that he can improve, specifically on the power play and special teams? Absolutely. Um, I think they've created a good enough situation, I think, with some of the defenseman acquisitions that they've acquired, as much criticism as there's been for the Matt Niskanen signing. I do think he's the type of defenseman that Provorov will work well with, as long as Niskanen can hold can be the Niskanen of a couple of years ago. So um, my view on it is that, you know, once he has the con- once the contract is figured out, I think he'll be able to, for the most part, live up to it, but it's going to take a while before we get there. Now, let's, let's talk about this because – this to me is an interesting thing. <clears throat> Somebody offers sheeted Provorov, the Flyers would be in deep trouble. They they would because they don't have a lot of escape hatches because they haven't even signed Travis Konechny yet. No, yeah. that's the other thing that has to get done between Lawton, who is going to be at five p.m. today. I think he's in yeah. he's an arbitration eligible list, and you have Konechny as well. That hasn't been determined yet. That's probably those contracts that they need to probably get done as soon as they can in order for them to be able to figure things out for Provorov. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Boston is in a, and I'm looking up their cap figure right now, but Boston is a little in a little bit of a pickle because they have both Carlo and McAvoy as restricted free agents. Now, according to, according to cap friendly, they've got $10 million in cap space. I don't think that they can sign both of them to long-term extensions. I think one of them is going to get like, I think McAvoy will get the long-term deal. I think Carlo is probably going to have to accept the bridge. I mean, that's the, you know, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Peter, was, I mean, what complicates things with Winnipeg is not, you don't have one, you have two, you have Connor and you have Line A, and we've had to, we've heard the chatter about Line A taking a bridge and that maybe both sides would be amenable to that. Well, hold, hold up, Peter, for one sec. The only thing I want to say about Carlo is yep. if Austin's put themselves in a bad spot here, they elevated him to a top line, top pairing guy. Right. And so even on a bridge, they're going to get killed because even though he's not a high-scoring guy, he could show that he's been playing heavy minutes and on their top pairing. 
And that's something where he's not going to be like a Harrington contract. He's going to be more than that. And that's going to be tough for Boston. Right. right. Which, is, which is the, which is the reason why there's been Tory Krug trade talk. He's one right. year away from being a UFA. He's making over $5 million. And unless they can get one of these guys to take a bridge, then it's going to be tough to squeeze, to squeeze them all in there. Now, now, Peter, what, what what's going on with, what's the chatter coming out of Winnipeg? I mean, is there, I've heard line a, I've heard the, the line a camp would actually be amenable to a bridge deal. But what, what, what have you heard? There has been some, there's been nothing. There's been actually, there's been absolutely nothing. And, the issue here is the Jets are rumored in on Gardner, and there's been a f- enough smoke coming from a few places that says they've, they've reached out. I don't see how they can do this if they're going long-term on either Connor or Line A. I just don't, I don't see it unless there's another trade coming. So the Line A camp, again, sources are very thin, um, has said, you know, they might be open to it if that's to be believed, but there's been no leaks. There's been nothing. The only thing I've seen on this was before Pierre uh, Lebrun went on uh, holidays. And that was that he had heard that some teams are considering an offer sheet for Connor. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like it is locked down, nothing. And I find that really odd right now, considering the amount of you, the RFAs out there and all this talk of offer sheets and that no one thinks they could try and make a run at Kyle Connor, knowing that line is sitting there and that the jets also have to sign Pionk and that they might be rumored in on someone else. He he seems like the perfect target for someone to come in and do something. Right. I think the Jets would match it, but he seems like a good target now, but that's it. That's all there is on this. There's nothing. You, you met, you mentioned something and I think that's also a factor in these rumors uh, about the Marner offer sheet, all the insiders are away for the summer. They've started their vacations. There's, you know, LeBron, Chris Johnston, Elliot Friedman, Mackenzie, Drager, all of them. They're off the radar and deservedly so. They've had a long year and they're they're they're, they're golfing and relaxing. And that's that's yeah. great. But they're off the radar and there's no news coming from them because, you know, they're off the radar and. Marner wants Marner's camp wants to apply the pressure to the Leafs while things are still, you know, the longer it goes, I think the le- the leverage the leverage goes toward the Leafs rather than the Marner camp. Marner Marner does not want to be in the same position that William Neander was. William Neander was was viscerally disliked by the Leaf fan base because of the extended holdout. And the one thing that Marner had, Marner wants to wants to do ads, wants to sell himself in Toronto. He's a Toronto boy, all this stuff. That is not conducive to a imp, an imp contract impasse, and the Leafs won't be able to do the same thing they did with Nylander because, remember, if he holds out after the beginning of the season, that first year is prorated and front-loaded. They can't fit a $10 million cap hit like they did for Nealander this year. They wouldn't be able to. They would have to trade somebody off their roster to be able to fit that contract in. So let's let's humor this. Let's say Mitch Marner is a holdout. Who's filling in for him? Jeremy Bracco. Okay. And then that's a that's an okay fill-in. Yeah. But Mike Babcock, after like two or three weeks of Bracco filling in for Marner, will put tremendous pressure on Kyle Dubas to get him signed. That's why I don't think the Leafs really have much leverage here. Well, I coach, if they had a younger coach, 
then he would tow the company line. Mike Babcock's not going to tow the company line. Well, Mike Babcock is on shaky ground, so whatever. He doesn't he care, though. You know I, that. I, I know that, Ross, but I'm just telling you, that doesn't mean that Kyle Dubas is going to uh, to succumb to his whim because he wants his toys. There's a salary cap. You 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 know if he's if if, if Mitch Marner is asking for eleven five and you can't fit him, I mean I'll tell you right now if they have to sign him for over eleven million dollars, the guy who's getting traded is William Nealander. because yeah, I can I can imagine Babcock two three weeks into the season Marner's not there, him already saying yeah we're a little weak in certain areas, him already dropping hints, he's he'll start doing that. Well, I'll start doing that, and then by the end of the year, Sheldon Keefe will be the Leafs head coach. Um, okay, you wanted to bring up Jonathan Drouin, and then we'll take some questions in the chat to end the show. Well, I just think Jonathan Drouin's been, name's been talked about a lot, and and Peter had asked in the chat room if, if Montreal would have gotten Ajo, who would have left, and I think it would have been Jonathan Drouin. Mm -hmm. because I think the salary, and there's still something there. Obviously, we've talked about it. Like He gets 50 points a year. And he's like one of the most talked about guys in trades, but other teams would take Jonathan Duran. Sure, other teams would take other teams would take him, and like Colorado would take him because he was line mates with Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, they would love it. But yeah, but for and this is Mark Bergevin's fault for what they did as selling him as a potential star, and that they were going to move him to center based on the ex based on the expectations. I'm not saying he is, but based on the expectations that they whipped up. He is a bust. Now, he's not a bust. He's a good player. But they, the typical Montreal thing, oh, my God, we got Jonathan Duran. We traded Sergachev for him. He's going to be our number one center. No, he's not. He was never a center. He's a winger. He's a good winger. But you, make, yeah. you try to make something out of nothing there, and, and, and now, you're, now you're, you know, you're reaping the reward of that. I, there are teams that would definitely take him, and I think – Montreal hasn't really put him out there, out there in this offseason, but it certainly his name has been out there before. It might be out there again at the deadline. Mm -hmm. But Montreal is getting better, and I think at some point, if he doesn't play a better 200 foot game, Claude Julian will get him pushed out. That's that's what I think. A little bit of yeah. breaking news here. He could push him right to right to Winnipeg, so he can play with the Ewers again. <laughs> a little bit of breaking news here: the Pittsburgh Penguins have extended head coach Mike Sullivan four years new contract. Um, through the 22-23 season. He's yeah, so, so much for players don't like him. He's on shaky ground last year. We heard all this. It was all yeah, didn't like him, got traded to Arizona. So I think that's, yeah. that res re re resolves that problem. That did. I think there's another thing to talk about, too, because Anthony and I were both a proponent that maybe the Flyers should be in on Nikita Gusev. And, like, this is one where you might even be able to get Vegas to – to make that a really palatable deal just so they can get rid of them because mm -hmm. they don't really want to pay them. The one concern I think here again for Philly's from Philly's perspective is the talk that Gusta is looking for four million. Right. Yeah. Philly in a, in a cat in a more of a cap situation. I, I does Philly have the assets to acquire Nikita Gusev? Absolutely definitely. Especially if the purported talk is for a goal is for a goalie prospect. That's one area Philly's got plenty of. In this yeah, team. let's just say for argument's sake, they, they trade one of the prospects, Ustamenko, Sandstrom, one of those guys. I think more likely Sandstrom probably. Yeah, so, yeah. Let's say they, so let's say they trade one of them for him, right? Yeah. They could just say to another team, hey, we're going to trade you Scott Lawton. We're not even going to sign him now. And that would make up some of the deficit right there. Like if you get a guy like Gusev – he really opens up the ice. The thing is, you're also in an RF, you're in RFA territory for a team like Vegas who's really, again. No, they won't take him. I mean, another team. You make another deal. 
to uh, trade Lawton somewhere else. If you're looking to do that and Gusev yeah. being a natural center in this circumstance, but you're a four million a year, fourth line center. I think in this case, if Philadelphia's acquiring, yeah. they're going to be a fourth line center. I mean, I I'll, I'll tell you where Gusev makes a lot of sense for a team that it has has a lack of scoring is the Islanders, and they got the cap space, and they have that they have a goal. They, they should be on them, but are they? Probably not. Right. I mean, we don't know, but I mean, they have a goaltending prospect in Sorokin. They, and I'm probably sure that they want him to to be the be their future number one. And but they did sign Varlamov for four years, so they can go out and get another prospect goaltender. But yeah, the other thing I was going to say about Gusev, I, I honestly think he'd be playing the wing anyhow. I agree with you. Based on his size, I think it's far yeah. more likely you would probably see him swing. He would be basically for Philadelphia looking for that three for that swing winger who could go anywhere in your top nine and play him yeah. on the right side. They don't have that. They don't. But the thing is, again, you're looking at a pair of four potential four million a year wingers there in that circumstance between him and potentially connect me. So the question is how they handle that plus handling the Provorov, you know, Provorov contractor, it gets it gets a bit hairy here for Philadelphia, I think. Yeah. I, am I a proponent of them going after Gusev? The answer is yes. The key is, though, trying to figure the ramifications out. Yeah, maybe it takes a little less, too. Maybe it takes 375, 35, something like that. Where Maybe, maybe. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I, that's what I would do. Um, let me look for questions here. Yeah, well, while you're looking for questions, just a minor note here. Um you know, th this is this is the road that some players are going to go down. Marcus Kruger, who's been all over the place the last couple of years, Chicago, Carolina, back to Chicago, um, he took a contract in Switzerland. So, you're, you know, with the squeeze happening in the NHL here, with a lot of these veteran guys probably only being offered veteran minimum deals like $700,000 a year, you're going to see a lot of European players maybe going back to Europe because the money is now comparable. They're not going to get a million and a half or two million dollars on a one-year deal. They're going to, the, the 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 cap is limiting the amount of the amount that some some of these players will get on contracts. Sometimes they won't even get one-way deals. So you're going to see a lot of these guys maybe going back to Europe and probably bailing quickly because those spots open up and the KHL. I believe they the KHL starts in August, doesn't it, Anthony? Yeah, 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 it's an earlier part for the season. I think yeah. Before we answer the question, you know, there is more chatter, and I didn't bring his name up. We should mention Anthony and I about Wayne Simmons as a devil because yeah. that was a good pickup for them. That's something where he could prove himself, but he also can really – him and Subban are going to bond instantly on that, and I think that will help that locker room and help drive them mm -hmm. into having a much better season too. Yeah, and if they put him on a line with Jack Hughes – you know, and then you know, you're, you're paying five million a year for Wayne Simmons. I don't think you're looking for him to be one year, even on a one year deal. You're not looking for him to be well, not an enforcer, but I think no. you, you have to make sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like protect him, like okay, he's in no, but that's his no, but that's what he's done in the past. I mean, he's right. not yeah. an enforcer by the classic sense of the word, he's the guy who goes out there where everybody knows that you know. Right. If you're going to take if you're going to take liberties with a team star player, Simmons will be in your grill faster than you can snap your fingers. Right. So, and I think New Jersey is going to be intriguing this year. The only thing I'm questioning is whether is Mackenzie Blackwood ready to be a number one in the NHL? He did show some some potential last year in relief of well, they when they, after they traded Kincaid, they're going to find out. They're going to find out. I, I don't know whether Corey Schneider can step up and be what he used to be a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't think. Anybody thinks that? All right, let's see. All right, so Zook asks Jones, Savard, Murray, Nukivera, 
all these other guys for um, Columbia Can't still waiting on Warensky. Do you think they move a D for a forward? Uh, no, um, because they have Emil Benstrom coming, and I think he could score 20 to 25 goals instantly in the NHL. I think he'll be an instant Calder candidate. He's coming over this year. That's your infusion of extra offense. I think they just they're gonna wait wait Warensky out and get him at the right deal. This is where Yarmo is not gonna blink. He really isn't. He, yeah. he they, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna give in. And they have 15 million in cap space, so they could do both. They could sign Warensky long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if there's a team out there that is looking to dispatch a player making significant salary. They have the room to do that, so I, that might be the way that they go. John LaCrue asks, you know, what about Wallstrom? Here's the thing about Wallstrom for the Islanders. Great shot, great skater, plays no defense, and yeah. he killed him in college last year. And and so that's something where he needs to really round out that part of his game before you ever see him. He won't be able to play like that for Barry Trotz. Even though he has all those other things that look great and would be really good, he is not going to get on the ice until he can play defense. So he needs at least another year or two to show that he can. Sorry about that. <laughs> he needs another year or two to show that he can. So I think that's the deal with Wallstrom. That's why I'm not mentioning him. Okay. That, that's why. All right. Uh... All right. Derek brings up an interesting point, and I think we'll mention it again. He said, not to mention the NHL has an agreement in place for this season that will bring in $250 million in gambling revenue. That's $4 million per team. The players can share. I don't know. Did they say it's $4 million a team? Like sometimes when the NHL brings in, sometimes it's just for them. Sometimes when teams bring in, like you saw the Devils, whatever, they were on their own too. I haven't heard that the gambling is a true split. Have you, yeah. have you guys? I haven't heard it's, that it's considered yeah. accumulated revenue. I, I, I'm assuming that'll be something that's negotiated in the new CBA. All, the only thing I've heard in terms of like the cap for next year is that everybody's expecting it to be pretty flat and not yeah. not increase before the new CBA. And then two years from now, it's going to really increase with the new U.S. Uh, TV deal and the Seattle expansion money and everything else coming in. So yeah, I don't know how it's going to get divvied up. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I guess none of us know, really. So that's an interesting thing to sort of keep in mind. Um, and we don't know how that contract is. Just because it's a $250 million contract, it could be over a certain amount of years. It might right. not be all this year. Right. Probably isn't. All right. Um, yeah, and there's, you got to remember this also. The, the NHL deal with Sportsnet was a 10-year deal negotiated in 2012, I believe. So that's, right. up, that's up after the year after. So the twenty, the summer of twenty twenty two, that deal is over with. So, and from what from what I understand, I mean, we know that Sportsnet is bleeding money because of that deal. I don't think the NHL is getting that kind of, you know, was it five point two billion or whatever the heck it was. I don't think they're getting that out of TSN or Sportsnet again. So they may get more money from the from the U.S. TV deal, but you also have to balance out the possibility that they won't get as much from the Canadian TV deal. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's why they have to sort of supplement uh, ESPN. Like I know they've already started to do it with their app. I, I expect them to do a little more with them. Yeah, there's gonna be, do that. There's gonna be a separate. It's gonna be like the NBA. The NBA has a deal with ESPN, ABC, and they also have a deal with TBS. Right. There, I think that the NHL is probably gonna have a deal with NBC. They'll probably have a side deal with ESPN and maybe Fox Sports too. So it's like, why not spread it out a little bit? Get more games on TV. That you know they they're 
these or these these networks are craving content, and the NHL, I'm sure, is craving the money that they'll get. Yeah. All right. Another question. I don't think they'll get as much money spreading it out. The, the, you got to remember, it's the difference with basketball than hockey. Yeah. is that in basketball you can regionalize things you may right. have a stronger tv presence in certain markets where espn and abc do it they do the national stuff and then you get tbs doing other areas right there's there's a lot more um demand for it hockey you need someone who's going to help you build demand for it and that's why nbc is a better fit i bet you and you know i bet you nbc comes to the table it'll be really interesting to see if there's any more money in the pot though no, I, I believe I believe the revenue that they were getting from NBC was two hundred million a year. I think that that's that was the amount. It was one of the two. I yeah, it was two. Know. It was two billion for ten years. I think that that was yeah. the figure. Yeah, I mean that hell. The LA Dodgers got more from that on that from their regional coverage. Right. Yeah. So I mean that's what I'm saying. It's like it's gonna maybe maybe you're right. Maybe if they if they spread out the 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 uh, broadcasting rights to other outlets the exclusivity that nbc isn't getting is going to lower the amount but i think the nhl i think the all the nhl is, is looking for is more dollars or they'll just raise the price of game center anyhow um yeah moving on right. <laughs> they'll, they'll suck me in for another 29.95 a year ms angel russ do you see ty smith being nhl ready this season he's impressed in camp last season for the devils but still seem undersized and possibly a good ahl placement to see how he does there. No, I he's 19, so he can't go to the AHL. I think they will give him a long look in the NHL. I think he'll get his nine games. He is 19, but he's smart. He's fast. He can work the second power play because you got Severson on the top power play. I think they have to do it. They don't have a lot of options there. And if he does look the part and plays it and does even close to what Will Butcher did when he came into the league, he's going to make the team. So I think he has an excellent chance. I don't know about you guys. Um, well, based on based on what was talked about last year, that he almost made the Devils as an 18 year old, I would say that he's got a decent chance to make the team. But you know, they added Subban, they have they have Botnin, and they you know they're 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 not a deep defense, but I think that they'll they put together a credible top. I think they could put together a credible two pairs. Right. I think the, the third pair is the thing they got to try to fill out. Yeah, and they and they already entry level uh, slid uh, Smith's contract, so they've got him for three years. So I don't think that. And you're right, Russ. He's his birthday is March 24th, so he can't he can't go to the AHL. It's either back back to junior, yeah. or he plays in the NHL. And if that's the case, I think they'll they'll be con they'll be careful and they'll keep him in junior for another year. Yeah, goalie FP asks, do I think the Rangers buy anyone out or just bury Smith and Hartford? I think when the Trouba deal is close. The buyout of Smith will initiate the Trouba deal. I think. Well, remember this, though. They can't buy anybody out unless they offer someone salary arbitration. They have to offer arbitration, and then there's a second yeah. buyout window. If they don't, it's gone. It's over. But I'm sure they will do that. I'm sure. Well, yeah, they, they probably will. But I'm just saying that yeah. they, that's that's the situation. And, and I know a lot of people – we're hoping that the Leafs would offer Cody CC salary arbitration so they could walk away from the contract. Of course, that's the analytics nerds who were saying that. Yeah, I think, I think next year you they they might buy out either Stahl or um, Shattenkirk, depending on who who does the least. And I think you don't think that somebody would trade for Shattenkirk if they retain salary. Yeah, another year like this year, no. If he has a good year, yes. 
Okay. It really depends on how he does. Minor leaf-related news. Uh, well, not leaf. I'll say leaf-related news. Uh, the Canucks signed Josh Lievo to a one-year, one point five million dollar contract. Yeah, he did. He did okay That's after he got. Yeah, he did okay after. And again, yeah. this is this is Fair deal. This is a situation where there are players that Mike Babcock makes his mind up on, and you can't change it. And then in this case, in the case of Levo, he goes someplace else and he has some limited success. I mean, he's not he's not a superstar, but he's a good, competent NHL player. And he never really got much of an opportunity in, in Toronto because uh, Babcock thought he wasn't a fourth-line guy. Um, and he's playing sort of a top-nine role in, in Vancouver and did pretty decently. So I'm, I'm glad for him. I'm happy for him. Cameo, you know, if you can find a guy who does what he does for a million five, yeah. that's smart use of money. Like that's what it is, and particularly if you're the Canucks and you're all over the map on other areas. So that's a good move for Benning. And 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 Peter, the thing I'm concerned about because I think he has talent, and I'd like to see him get an opportunity. But I have a feeling Nick Patan is going to be the Josh yeah. Levo of, of 2019, 2020, because yeah. I don't know whether, whether Babcock is going to give him an opportunity to play regularly, even if Marner is holding out. Because yeah. yeah. All right. So here, three quick ones. Biz Angel says. What's the over-under on total points for Jack Hughes? If he plays with Taylor Hall, I'm going to say 57 is the uh, is, is the over. 57. Mm. Why 57? So you buy just – that's what came into my head. You go and over. <laughs> 57? Um, it's a big calculation. Well, I'll tell you why. It's hard to get 60 points as a rookie in my mind. Okay. We're looking for an over-under number here. I'll say 52. Okay. Peter? Sorry, say that again? For Jack Hughes, over under points. 57 is the bar. Are you going over or under? I'll say I'm going, uh, I'm going over. Okay. I see. Right. Scott Perfect. C says, what kind of player do I think Lawson Krause can grow into? Can he be a 15 point, 30, 15-point guy? I think he can. I think now with the new coach, you'll see Lawson Krause do a little better. I think. And they signed they signed him to a three-year extension, so he's yeah. got an opportunity. Yeah, I think Hugh will do something with him where I don't think the last coach did a lot with him. Right. Again, I, what did I really say about the last coach that was positive? Anyhow, so we move on. Last um, one. Bugner just, you know, whatever. Anyhow, last question, Cam Young. Should the NHL scrap the offer sheet? I mean, if no one's using them, what's the real purpose of having them? I think they should scrap it. I don't know why they're in there. I think it at this point – the offer sheet is just so a team that's not great at managing their cap can just get scared into either losing a player or having to adjust their roster. I don't see – if it's from a player standpoint, there's probably more benefit to the player if they actually choose that they want to do it. Yeah, but good luck Good luck trying to get the uh, the NHLPA to collectively bargain the uh, out the, uh, the the offer sheet. I mean – Yeah, my, hold on. Anthony's right. The press is with the Coyotes. My mind went to – yeah. To Bugner, but he, he has Tockett with him. But I still think mm -hmm. he could be a 15-point guy there. But but you yeah. know, like the NHL would have to give up something. It's like, okay, you want to take you want to take offer sheets off the off the table, then uh, a player can go UFA after six years, like something like that. It's going to be have to it have to be a quid pro quo. They're going to have to get something to get rid of that. And if it's if it if it is becoming a an option for teams. I mean, remember, after Ajo, there's been one in six years. 
This is not a, you know, if somebody offer sheets Marner, if somebody offer sheets Branton, and then it may throw a scare in the NHL. I don't, I don't think it's at that point right now. Right now, again, it's a load of crap. It's, I think, you know, it's interesting. Like if, if we all took a survey, we would all say, well, why do these college players get to be free agents? Why don't they get rid of that? Every year we say that. Every year that keeps staying on the books too. So this is probably not going anywhere either. It's, it, that's a see. That's a trade off for a team holding their rights for four years. If they stay, if they stay in college for four years, you know what I mean. It's like you hear mostly that teams, or we don't hear teams. You hear mostly fans don't like it. I don't. I hear mixed things from teams. But then same thing with the R. It's like it's, nothing really happens quickly in this league. That's really the bottom line when it comes to these sure. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, good show, guys. Um, thanks, oh, thanks to Peter who had to go. Uh, off, off, the tonight. off the post, the season finale tonight. Yep, we are wrapping up unless we get some kind of crazy special edition going or something. Right. But like yeah. this, this, this is not the last one of the season. Special Mitch Marner offer sheet special edition. Yeah, 15 yeah. minutes, 15 minutes of Marner. So you so can hear like Hear Mike Jello with his, vi- his spewing vitriol at the yeah. <laughs> that that ten o'clock tonight. Uh, uh, State you know, follow us on Twitter, Mike and Buffalo, Anthony Mangione, or Sportsology. Yeah, will be post radio, don't forget. Yep. And off the post radio, we'll be retweeting that. Um, so good show, guys. Uh, we will be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier, for Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Jello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz. It's just every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.